0: It is great to have you uh, here with us as if you caught from the video we are a church with many expressions across Chicago land we're connected to a number of different churches spread out uh, we are obviously community Christian Church here in Lincoln Park which is so fun to see moments like that where Marissa who actually is from Plainfield her family's out at our Plainfield community went back a couple weeks ago we thought we were giving her a week off to rest and she of course had more ministry to do as she went uh, to baptize her mom which was so so fun um, it's so great to have you here with us this morning if you have have not been with us the last couple weeks, we have been on quite a run, haven't we? Uh, Last week we celebrated our 10-year anniversary. You can still see photos out there in the lobby. There's a really fun photo wall. Uh, There's some people, and I'm not going to mention any names, who look much younger in some of the photos uh, from 10 years ago. And uh, before the 10-year anniversary, we celebrated a grand opening here. Uh, This is about week Seven, I want to say that we've been here in Victory Gardens Theater, which also has been great. It feels like we're just about getting calibrated. It almost makes sense, uh, the like heat and cool. I know some of you have mentioned to me like it was really cold. Now it's hot. Now it's it's great. We're totally getting settled in. Uh, it's getting roomy and nice, and it is really good to be here. So if you're new with us, we would love to invite you to connect with us. There's a really simple QR code here. We just love being able to connect with you. This gives me a chance. Uh, I reach out with everybody who connects with us. Uh, you'll hear from me, can give you an email, can give you a phone call, can help get you connected with our community. Um, I also want to let you know that this is a wonderful time for you to consider a small group community with us. We're gonna put this up on the screen. Um, These things are always kind of in flux and changing a bit, but you'll notice we've got some locations. Lincoln Square, if you're a little further north, we've got one in Lincoln Park, River North. There's a men's group and a women's group that both happen on Thursdays. And then Tuesdays, uh, we have transferred from this four-week term group to a group that meets in North Center. Um, A lot of our groups are pretty full. But we're getting pretty close to starting a few new small groups in the coming weeks. So if you're interested in any of these, uh, do connect with me afterwards. Come say hi. And what we've noticed is that for you to really stick for this to become not just a church you attend on Sundays, but for this to become your church family, uh, at some point, we've really seen people who get connected to our small groups really become part of the family with us. So if any of these groups are working for you, we would love to connect you. Do come talk to us and we'd love to have you jump in. Um, There's also a few fun teams if you're just starting to get settled in with us. Uh, There's our lovely staff team currently, Marissa, Gordon, myself. Worship, Arts, and Tech, you notice we've given you some arrival times. Not that any of you, you know, like sleeping in or something like that on Sundays, uh, but just letting you know, Worship and Tech, Kids Cities, or our First Impression and Hospitality teams, again, just come talk to us. We would love to help you get more and more connected with our community. Um, After the service, I will be standing at that table you saw as you walked in. Would love to have you come up and say hi to me. We also, just so you know, have a podcast where if you've missed a Sunday, if you need to go back, you're going to search... LPK, uh, community LPK on any of the major platforms, and you'll be able to jump in with us. Then finally, I just want to invite you, uh, as with every week that we gather together, one of our acts of worship is, especially if this is a church that you call home, uh, is an opportunity for us to give back what God has given to us. There's this great verse where Jesus reminds us, seek first the kingdom. Um, I feel like the last couple weeks we've been uh, just feeling this current come up again and again and again, that one of the greatest distractions, one of the greatest temptations in the city is to try to seek control, seek security. And often it's it's money that kind of holds out to us, this illusion. Like if you can just build a strong enough kingdom with your career, with your job, with your home, then maybe you'll feel safe and satisfied. And Jesus says, instead, seek first the kingdom. Um, and one of the ways... One of the beautiful ways we get a chance to do that as a community is to give back what God has given to us. So there's a number of ways you can give. You can give online, givenow.cc, you can text give, and then we have another QR code. Um, this morning, we have a chance, uh, every now and then, every couple of months, uh, we take an opportunity to hear from our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson. This morning, we're going to hear a message from him before we do a sort of Practical exercise together makes sense after the video. It's not stressful. Don't don't stress for the next 20 minutes as you prepare for this practical exercise Um, But before we do I just wanted to give a little bit of my Context going into this brand new series. We're about to do together that we're calling lost cause lost cause so for the next five weeks uh, We're gonna be talking about this huge Intimidating topic that Christians call evangelism now I don't know about you, but as soon as I hear the word Evangelism, I tense up. That is my experience. And I had the pleasure, I know many of you had the same pleasure as me, of growing up in church communities. In fact, growing up in evangelical communities in which the church saw one of our primary tasks was to go out and to share the good news. And so for me, this often looked like things such as street evangelism. Uh, Anyone else want to raise their hands? That's like, I. Have been a person on a street corner. It feels a little, a little weird and disassociative sometimes to even go back. That talked to strangers and said, hey, uh, do you know where you're going when you die? Uh, Would you like to have a conversation about faith? And some people sat down and talked to me, which, you know, was kind of crazy uh, for those of you who've done stuff like this and go back to it. I also went on missions trips where I memorized, and I'm not making this up, the four spiritual laws. I'm sure some of you have seen or used these tracks before, and we'd memorize it so that we could have helpful conversations with people about what the good news of Jesus was. And All of that, I would say, for me, not speaking on behalf of any of your stories, in my story, all of that led to some pretty intense pressure where I thought, you know, the way you share the good news about Jesus is that you talk to strangers with something close to a sales pitch that leads to a close at the end, which is a prayer that person needs to pray so that I then can feel assured that they have a relationship with Jesus. And what you're about to hear this morning, the reason I bring all this up, uh, is that for, I'd say, the last few years now, uh, a lot of Christian leaders in different contexts have been wrestling with this question, is that the best way to evangelize? And my hunch for you, if you're here with me, uh, is that growing up in a Christian community, by the time I moved back to the city, I was looking around at the people I was meeting, those people who were neighbors and coworkers and acquaintances and now other parents who are connected to the schools that my kids are in. And as I was looking at these people, I was realizing they do not want to hear a sales pitch from me. Anybody else uh, resonate with this kind of experience? So if they don't want to hear a sales pitch and all I was trained to do was to give sales pitches on behalf of Jesus, is this a lost cause? Is this something we should abandon? Is this something that's not working anymore? Is it, is it something that we're not supposed to do? Should we just stop good-newsing? Should we stop sharing the good news about Jesus? Or Or is there any other way, if we go back to the scriptures, to the gospels, to Jesus himself, is there any other way that we could, together as a community, be a good-news people without pressuring, without selling, without even trying to force conversions? It's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? So I, for one, am really grateful that coming here to community, uh, as I personally was wrestling with this question, as I personally, especially in the city, have been asking, is there any way to do this? Uh, John Ferguson, who many of you know, who's here, his brother to Dave Ferguson, who we're going to hear from in just a second. Uh, John and Dave were wrestling with these same very questions and have together, I think, put together a helpful resource that we're going to be walking through the next five weeks on how we could move from a lost cause to recovering the task and the responsibility and the gift that sharing good news could be in the city. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and turn this over to Dave.
1: Hello, community. I want to start today with a question and also a confession. All right, we're going to start with a question and then a confession. So first the question, how many of you Love. I mean, you just love getting to share good news, all right? I do. I do. Uh, for example, I just found out that Tammy Melching, a friend and staff member, one of our teaching pastors, just got her first book deal. Now, she had no idea I was going to announce this to the whole church, but I'm so excited for her. I decided, yep, I'm going to tell everybody, hey, did you hear? Tammy is writing her first book. Let's give it up. woo Come on, come on, there you go. See, it's fun, don't you love sharing good news? Or how about Celebration Generosity two weeks ago? We gave away more than $360,000, that's a lot of money, to great difference-making causes, and that is so awesome. I've been telling everybody, people in our church, people outside our church, I mean, it's just fun. That kind of good news, it's fun to share good news. Or how about the Bears beating the commanders a couple weeks ago after 14 consecutive losses in a row. I mean, it felt so good to finally post some good news on socials about the Bears winning. It just feels good to share good news. Am I right? I mean, it's fun, it's positive. But here's the confession. You ready? The confession. I think it might be people like me who kind of messed up sharing the good news of Jesus for people like you. I think it might be people like me who messed up sharing the good news of Jesus for people like you. And here's why I say that. Like many of you, all right, my life was changed by the love of God and the life of Jesus. And again, like you, I wanted to share that good news with my family, my friends, my neighbors, so they could experience what I'd experienced. But the way I went about sharing that good news was not very helpful. I was one of those people, I was so eager, so excited, I actually knocked on the doors of my neighbors, uninvited, just to try to start conversations, spiritual conversations with them about Jesus. Turned out people don't like that, (laughs) who knew? I even tried what they called street evangelism, you know, walking up to complete strangers like in the town square, and attempting again to begin spiritual conversations. And I'd get that look, you know that look, it's the appropriate look they give crazy people. And here's my fear. Well, I would never do those things now. It might've been me and people like me for a whole generation that ruined sharing the good news of Jesus for people like you. And maybe that's why the very word evangelism, evangelism is like this trigger that we associate with a negative experience, a negative experience. And maybe that explains why, according to Barna Research, nearly half of millennial practicing Christians say it's wrong to evangelize. So confession. I think maybe it might be people like me that messed it up, sharing good news—the good news of Jesus—for people like you. And that's why when someone like me starts talking about evangelism, even right now, you might be tempted just to kind of check out, say, not interested in the conversation. No, thank you. However, if you're a follower of Jesus, that same Barnard Research study found that almost all practicing Christians believe that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. So the truth is you want to share the good news, right? With your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You want them to know Jesus because you personally, you know, Like I do, the peace, the hope, the purpose, the love that comes into your life from that relationship. And also deep, deep down, you know God wants to use you to help people in your life find their way back to God. And how do I know that? Again, more research. Here we go. Almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. So let me ask you. What if evangelism was never meant to be an anxious conversation? What if sharing your faith was never designed to feel like you're pushing your beliefs on other people? And what if the good news was not supposed to be just good news shared, but actually it was good news received by others? So today, we're going to start a new series called Lost Cause. Jesus said his mission, the reason he came in Luke 19.10 was to seek and save the lost. And like Jesus, we too have a mission. As a matter of fact, his mission is our mission, to seek and save the lost. And while some might think this mission is a lost cause, Jesus didn't think so, and neither should we. And for that reason, I believe this series that we're starting right now is mission critical for you and for me and for Community Christian Church. So there's two big objectives that we want to accomplish through this series. First of all, objective number one, I want to share with you our conviction that evangelism is not a lost cause. And and I'll start today with three solid biblical reasons. That's objective number one. Objective number two, At the end of each message in this series, we want to share with you a simple, everyday way to share God's love and the good news of Jesus in a way that people want to hear and in a way that people want to receive it. All right, so here we go. I want to just jump right in. Let's talk about these three reasons why evangelism, this word that kind of is a trigger for some of us, it's not, it's not a lost cause. All right, reason number one, this lost cause, lost cause is God's passion. In his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us of this. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now that phrase, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, what it does there, that reveals God's great passion. You know someone's passion by demonstrated love, not just talked about love or felt love, but by demonstrated love um, over Labor Day. Um, I got on a plane. I flew to Washington, D.C. and I spent a long holiday weekend moving my son, Josh. Now, just between me and you, I kind of hate, I kind of hate moving people, all right? It's not my idea of fun. I was kind of looking forward to doing nothing over a few days that Labor Day weekend. But guess what? I'm passionate about my kids. So when he called and said he was moving and could use some help, I booked my plane ticket. See, passion is shown by demonstrated love. A couple of Saturdays ago, I got up at 5:10 a.m. so I could go pass out water and cheer for our community runners who are part of Team World Vision. They're training to run the Chicago Marathon and they did a great job and they raised a bunch of money for clean water. Do I like getting up at 5:10 a.m. on Saturday? Not really. But guess what? I'm passionate about running and I'm particularly passionate about our people who are running for a great cause. So when Jay Palmer called and asked, said, hey, could you go out and encourage our runners? I set my alarm clock. Passion is shown by demonstrated love. Um, I recently went shopping at Hobby Lobby with my wife. (sighs) Hobby Lobby. (laughs) The place puts me in like a hypnotic trance when I walk in. (laughs) Um, Just a reminder, passion is shown by demonstrated love. So when Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He's telling us that we are God's great passion, that he loves us, loves you, loves myself so much that while we were still in the very act of sinning. We're rejecting him. Jesus died for us. Passion is shown by demonstrated love. So reason number one why evangelism, okay, it's not a lost cause because this lost cause is God's passion. Reason number two that evangelism is not a lost cause is because this lost cause is Jesus' mission. Not only is the lost cause God's great passion, but again, it was Jesus' stated mission. Let's go right back to Luke 19. Jesus traveled to a town called Jericho where he encounters a man named Zacchaeus, who everyone in the town despised because he was this hated tax collector. And imagine what this would be like in our day. I mean, Jesus is coming to our town. and, he, and he's choosing to hang out with maybe like the most notorious drug dealer or gang leader or Green Bay Packer fan, okay? And not only does Jesus not avoid this outcast, but he also invites himself over to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. And as the people in that town watch this happen, they begin to mutter to one another, he, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And it's in response to their complaining that Jesus clearly and succinctly states why he came to earth, and he says it there. For the Son of Man, talking about himself, came to seek and save the lost. What I love about this is Jesus leaves no room for misinterpretation. He doesn't speak in metaphors or parables. He's very plain spoken that seeking and saving the lost is his personal mission. The lost cause is Jesus' mission. So so not only is the lost cause God's passion, and Jesus' mission. There's another reason why this word that makes us feel uncomfortable is not a lost cause, evangelism. Reason number three, the lost cause is our commission. After his death and resurrection, the very last thing Jesus says before he leaves planet Earth to return to the Father in heaven, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus leaves us with a challenge to adopt his personal mission as our mission. And our commitment to the lost cause should be just as passionate as God's, and just as personal as Jesus. So there you have it, there's three reasons. Very clear. The lost cause is God's passion. The lost cause is Jesus' mission. And the lost cause, it's our commission. And for those three reasons alone, we absolutely cannot give up on helping people find their way back to God. All right, so maybe you're feeling the conviction of of, of, of that cause and the why. Okay, but how? How? I mean, how do we share the love of God and the good news, the good news of Jesus? Well, here's what I'm certain of. We cannot go back to the approach of a previous generation that has sometimes, sometimes treated people like projects or left them feeling like a group to be conquered or won. What we have to do we must approach people as people, just like us, who wanna be heard, who wanna be invited into relationship, and wanna be empowered to live their own spiritual journey. And this brings us to our second objective for this series. We wanna share with you a simple everyday way to share God's love and the good news of Jesus in a way that people want to hear it and in a way that people want to receive it. Now, we call this way the blessed practices. And we believe these practices describe the way that Jesus carried out his mission. In fact, we believe bless is the way that God has always done it. Let me explain. I used to think, I used to think that God's mission somehow kind of started when Jesus came to earth, or maybe when when he commissioned his closest followers there in Matthew 28 to, to go and make disciples. But the truth is, as we look at our whole Bible, from the very beginning, our God has been a missionary God. And he had a mission for his people way back at the very beginning. Let's go all the way back to that first book in Genesis. Take a look at what God had to say in that first book, Genesis chapter 12, to Abram. He says this, "'Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I don't know if you caught this or not, but one word, okay, gets repeated five times in just those three short verses. Did you see it? God says to Abraham, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and not only that, all the people of the earth will be blessed, you get that, through you. There it is, right in Genesis 12. God's very first strategy for reaching the world, was a blessing strategy. And there's really no better example for what it looks like to go and bless than the life of Jesus. The the, the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, they give us numerous examples of Jesus teaching about the blessing, like on the Sermon on the Mount. Later on, he offered to bless the children. Come to me so I can bless you. And in the end, his whole life was a blessing. I mean, he was a blessing through his teaching, through his healing, and through loving people he encountered every day. And seeing that in the Gospels, me and some friends began to look closer at the life of Jesus to see if there were any recurring patterns and how we kind of befriended and blessed the people in his life. And the more we combed through the Gospels, and the more we began to research, we began to see some simple practices he routinely used over and over again. And then we we, we kind of put them all together and then we put them into a memorable acrostic so you could grab, kind of get a handle on it. And it was blessed, B-L-E-S-S. Five Everyday Ways That Jesus Loved His Neighbor. And this is how we can join Jesus in his lost cause, by engaging in these simple everyday practices. And I'm telling you, these practices can help us revive evangelism, not as something we're afraid of, but instead of something we can embrace in a way that helps people receive the goodness of Jesus as good news. These practices can help people, the people we care about, the people we love, find their way back to God. Now, I'm gonna hand this off to a teaching pastor at your location to tell you a bit more about these practices and then leave you with today's challenge.
0: All right, how are we feeling? Uh, Encouraged, a renewed vision. Tim, if we could actually get the lights back on up in here. And then uh, in just a second, I'm going to have the communion servers come forward to hand out uh, this piece of paper that I want to give to all of you. Um, So if the communion servers can come down, and Marissa, if you could maybe come play on the piano for us. Uh, I warned you we would have a practice together, uh, an exercise that we were going to do. And the exercise in beginning uh, with prayer is taking just a moment to reflect on your life and who your neighbor is currently. Who are your neighbors? Who are eight people in your life uh, that your life is already connected to? These could be office co-workers. These could be actual physical neighbors. I know we all have those, and I know some of us don't always know who those people, strange uh, intruders are, who walk up and down the stairs next to you in the same building. Um, This could be family members. This could be friends. This could be anybody, Uh, but you'll notice there in the middle is you, so you're here, and wherever your life is around you as a circle, uh, who might eight names be, eight people that God is sort of moving or stirring or perhaps even starting to bring up for you. Now, I'm going to give you a chance uh, now. Hopefully, you're getting this. You've got a pen. Feel free whenever they come up to write them down. Feel free if you get stuck. You know, you get five, you get six. It's fine. Uh, Start with what you have. If you want to go back and finish this later, that's fine too. Um, But as you're reflecting, I just want to encourage you with my own experience uh, with this over the last several years as I've been entering into this conversation around blessed practices and as I've really started to think about this first practice, begin with prayer. Uh, Isn't it amazing to realize that if a person is going to be moved in their own spiritual journey, if a person is going to find their way back to God, that it actually will be God who is the one who moves them. I think this was one of my biggest glass-shattering insights as somebody who felt a lot of pressure that if a person was going to be saved, that they needed to be saved by me. <laughs> Anyone else ever sense that's undercurrent in conversations around evangelism? And yet, incredibly, with with this blessed practice, um, one of the interesting results of this discipline that instead of you going up to somebody whose name you write down to share Jesus with them, to talk to them about Jesus, to have Jesus kind of come into the conversation. If you instead were to begin with prayer for them, prayer that they likely do not know you are praying, right? They like don't know that you've written their name down on this list. You don't need to share this on Instagram or TikTok. I would encourage you not to. Um, But instead, if you could just begin praying for them. Here's what's so interesting to me. Imagine the difference that it would make for these eight people if you committed to praying for them. Let's even say every day, or uh, I also have had times where I commit Mondays to pray for the neighbors. So it's like I spend 10, 15 minutes. It's not a long amount of time, but just Mondays are my day that I pray for my eight neighbors. If you start praying for these people, what you're going to notice in your own heart is that immediately every time you see these people, you just feel more interested in them, don't you? You're like, what should I be praying for them about? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what's going on in their life. I haven't asked these neighbors what's happening. I don't, I may not even know some of these neighbors' names yet. This could be a guy who carries groceries on the stairs uh, in my apartment building. But as you pray for them, your heart is going to start attuning to them more. You're going to begin listening to them. You're going to begin noticing them in the rhythms of your life, and you especially are going to see the needs of these people as not just needs that you can somehow make religious or throw Jesus into, but needs that you can actually tangibly be present to. Um, I was sharing the story with our team before the service started, that my wife and I, uh, on Saturdays, have gone to Broadway in Chicago's toddler training class. Anyone else uh, interested in how the toddlers are being trained for Broadway from a young age? I can assure you the skills are not great. Um, But the the beautiful thing about this training class on Saturday is that there's these two wonderful individuals, uh, Faye and Jonah, And Faye and Jonah give every Saturday to come to this class where they sing and dance, they do Broadway musical numbers, and uh, they do it for toddlers who are running around with chaos (laughs) in the room that the toddlers are in. So I have two toddlers, that's why I'm there. I'm not just there to hang out with toddlers. Um, And so in this room... Uh, there's other parents, right? And my wife and I have just been doing it enough on Saturdays. It's one of our fun rhythms with the kids. It's fun they get to see musicals. This is a Chicago treat. Uh, And just this last Saturday, as I was preparing for Blessed Practices, I was starting to think to myself, you know, there are people in this class that I, because I'm just trying to take care of my kids, not really paying attention to, I want to start praying for the people who I see in this class, including Faye and Jonah, but then the other parents as well. And this last Saturday it was just an interesting, simple, small moment that as we're walking out, I noticed a mom whose toddler was melting down on the floor. It a very regular occurrence. Our toddler had started the class melting down on the floor. <laughs> Her toddler is now on the floor melting down. And uh, any other time, with Chicago focus, I would have just walked right by, right? Like, that's, this is not a moment to interact or engage. But because I was praying, I just paused, and I made eye contact With this mother and said, "Oh, like your toddler was great today. Our ours was melting down too. Totally get it." And with this huge sigh of relief, the mom said, "Yeah, actually, this is this is my first class. Um, Like we haven't we haven't come to this class before." Uh, And I was able to just take a moment, just take a moment to be like, "You're doing great. Well, this is so fun. We've been coming a bit. You know, this is great." And my reason for sharing this story with you is how normal it was, how every day it was. uh, The this was not, Jesus never came up, um, nothing Jesus-y was happening in this moment, but I have been praying, I've been praying for this space, and it caused me to slow down and engage the people differently and actually intentionally open my life up to offer more love than I would have if I had not been praying. And so as, as we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, Um, With these eight names, I encourage you to hold on to this. Uh, These eight names, as you're taking a moment to reflect on them and write them down again, if you haven't finished yet, that's okay. Feel free to do it this week. Um, For at least the next five weeks, I want to pay attention with you to what happens in these spaces with these eight neighbors. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be teaching uh, through these blessed practices. This week was begin with prayer. Next week, the L will be listen. The week after that will be eat. And then we're going to talk about serving. We're going to talk about stories as well. So, So there's no unexpected twists or turns here. This is the tool we have. This is what we want to offer you. But let me end with this before we move to the communion table. As I've been thinking about our church now in this new venue, Victory Gardens Theater, which is so exciting. As I've been thinking about the last few weeks that we've been together in this space, what we've been talking about, what we've been exploring as a community, and as I've been deeply praying, where are we going, Lord? Like, what are we doing here? Why do we exist as Community Christian Church Lincoln Park? Uh, if you know me, one of my deep questions that I am asking myself all the time is, if you worshipped with us here for a whole year, because I know for some of you, you're going to be gone in a year. there's Things are going to come up. If you spent a whole year with us, what would be different about you because you spent this time with us. And I think, looking back over the last few weeks, what I love is we had a series called Hearing God. So my prayer for you is that you would become a person as you follow Jesus who can hear from God. You develop the skills, the practices, the disciplines to have God speaking regularly to your life. We would love if you could hear from God. That's what we want to help you to do we would become a community that sees the tangible needs around us. For those of you who are here with us during Celebration Generosity, we heard from Lincoln Park Community Services and others, we would actually invite you to serve the needs of our neighborhood in a tangible way. Come serve with us at LPCS. Serve with us at Thanksgiving in a few weeks when we're going to have a chance to do so. But then finally, over these next five weeks, my prayer for you is that you would become a person who sees your neighbors not as projects to convert, not as projects to conquer, but as friends to tangibly love. And if you could become just a little bit more loving of your neighbor, the 80 of us here would each intentionally love these eight people. Can you, you can do the math with me. 640 people here in the city that are being loved intentionally on behalf of Jesus. Can you imagine the kind of impact we could begin to make here? as a community. Can you imagine the different kind of person you could be a year from now if you loved your neighbors in that way? So, uh, over these next couple weeks, we're excited to invite you back to continue leaning in. This is where we are going as a community, but um, my final encouragement to you this morning is that this is not a task we have to do on our own, but this is, in fact, a task that Jesus wants to go in front of us for, and, and Jesus even wants to give us the very nourishment and resources we need to be able to love these neighbors that you are praying for. So we're going to move to the table now. We're going to remember as we do every week, the table Jesus set for us which he gathered with his friends, his disciples and he held up bread and he said to them, this is my body broken for you. This is food for you as you go out into the world to love your neighbors. This is a reminder of how much I love you eat this in remembrance of me. Jesus also took the cup. He said, this is my blood that was shed for you. This is my love for you that while you were yet sinners, I loved you and I went to the cross for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. As the servers come forward, going to release you by rose. We want to encourage you to go ahead and cup your hands when you come forward. You can eat the bread right on the spot. There's gluten-free available here as well. Just let us know. Um, You can take the cup and drink it right on the spot. And feel free to take just a moment as you're coming forward uh, to hold those eight names with you and to have this bread and juice be the, the nourishment for you to fill your heart with the love you need to begin praying for others. Let's go ahead and share this table
1: together.